When wine is on trial, the gossip is dishy. The judges are drunk. The verdicts are random. So random. This is True Crimes Against Wine. Oh, I would have loved to have had consumption growing up. I know. Not really, because I'm pretty sure it's tuberculosis. Yeah, and it will kill you. It will kill you or paralyze you. Happy Halloween! Spooky wine! (laughs) Welcome to a very spooky special episode of True Crimes Against Wine. I'm Topher. I'm Rachel. Rachel is going to be our cultural expert today, and also her makeup looks especially delightful. Thank you. I did it just for you because I knew you were going to do some too. (laughs) (laughs) And Topher is our wine expert, as always, taking us Mm -hmm. on a journey across the continent. Yes. So... As with this entire second season, today is another day of firsts. Yes. I'm actually having a first with this wine as well. Ooh. It is a Hungarian red. I'm so excited. And I don't want to butcher the pronunciation of this because okay. obviously I do not speak Hungarian and oh. Eastern European languages are very difficult for me. Yeah. So I did yeah. look up ahead of time how to pronounce this so I okay. wouldn't be like culturally insensitive. All right. So it is Kekfrankos. Cake Frankish. Yeah. Okay. And that is an ancient varietal from the Carpathian Basin. Nice. Okay. In Eastern Europe. It's native to that area and is used a lot in Hungarian, Slovenian, Moldovan, Romanian wine, all of nice. that. Um, and it's been used as a like really high quality wine grape since like the early middle ages. It was kind of the favorite of the royal courts in that area. Mm -hmm. And it actually ended up becoming a favorite of Maria Theresa of Austria, the Empress. Oh yeah. Yeah, um, later on. Mother of Marie Antoinette, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, she was really into it. And it was, it had a different German name in her court, but it's the same grape, yeah. Well, that's really cool that this is like really unique to Eastern Europe. Yeah, so it's gonna be really fun. I've, I've had a Hungarian white before, but I've never had a Hungarian red. So I'm really excited. I don't think I've ever had Hungarian wine. It's really interesting and fun. And okay. the Hungarian wine that I had before, even the, the white varietal, was still, I think it might have been like a Chardonnay or something. Mm. So it's going to be really exciting to try something that's native to that area that they take a lot of pride in. Yeah. Also, I was talking to the person who was kind of informing me about some of the different Eastern European wines at the mm-hmm. wine store that I go to. And I'm really excited because this is like a super small mom and pop operation. Love that. The wine rep went over there to visit the family and visit their winery and was expecting. So they had him like meet at their house and he was expecting to like walk down the street, down the cobblestone street and find like their winery. And no, they just opened up their back door and they're like doing it in their backyard. Oh, that's amazing. And like super small production. So yeah, I'm really excited. Also, the region that it's from has obvious ties to our celebrity, which we'll reveal in a moment. Mm -hmm. But it also has very unique ties to another very famous person in history that I'll go into a little bit later because it actually kind of does tie into what we're going to be talking about. And I want to see if you bring it up first. So challenge to me. We have been decanting this wine. Yes. What's the name of this? Okay. Fact checker is motioning toward the bottle. Yes. So we should so probably the, Are you asking there. the varietal of the grape or the actual? The actual like label of the wine. Okay, so. I already forgot the varietal name and I won't be able to say it. Uruksugal. Okay. 
I believe is how you say it. Okay. Again, I am not Hungarian, and there's a lot of, like, different accent marks on yes. this. We got some umlauts and some little slanty yeah. tildes. <laughs> no, not that's a not a tilde. I've, I don't know. It's from something called the, I'm, I'm going to butcher this, and I, my apologies. I'm doing my best here. I tried to look up the pronunciation, and I couldn't find one. Hegikalo Winery. Sure. Yeah. So, anyway. We'll obviously have a picture of that on our social media yeah. so you can look at the Maybe bottle yourself. Maybe that winery, if you want to teach us how to pronounce things correctly, you know, we'll take a little trip if you pay for it. So. That would be amazing. Yes. Yeah. And we do learn best when we're sampling wine. We are hands-on learners. We are. And very tactile. <laughs> yes. All right. So I'm going to go ahead and pour this. Thank right you. off the bat, what I'm struck with is how Thank really you. sort of dark and inky It's very it dark. I mean, yes. it's like... Like almost black. It's like I think dark, this is dark probably purple. the darkest red we've ever had. I think don't it you might think? be. I'm very excited to try. And this. when we clink our glasses to cheers for our listeners, you will hear a nice plasticky sound because yes. we are drinking out of my skeleton dollar store wine glasses. Yes, I mean it's Halloween. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> also, speaking of Halloween, mm-hmm. I don't want to make anybody jealous at home listening right now. But you guys know that we record these big episodes ahead of time. Yeah. So we get to celebrate Halloween twice this year. Yeah. Just saying. Yeah. Cheers to that. Cheers. Although Halloween's kind of an all-year thing in my heart. I feel like, though, I'm (laughs) owed an extra Halloween every year because of all the years that I was in the cult and wasn't allowed to celebrate Halloween. I think that's fair. So really, the universe is just kind of like evening things. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Let's smell. smell. Okay. It's very fragrant. Oh, it is. I'm getting like plum. Mm-hmm. It smells really good. It smells amazing. You know what it smells like to me? What? Do you remember when we did the our season finale of last season and you had the Tanat for the first time? Oh, yeah. It kind of smells like Tanat. I want yeah. to pass mine to the fact checker so he can check that Yeah, fact. I get that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's fact very lush. That fact checks out. Yeah, fact checker's nodding vigorously. So yeah, plum, also lots of earthiness, kind mm-hmm. of a woodsy. Yeah. Perfect like fall vibes to me. Very fall vibes. This yeah. is a great Halloween wine. Perfect. All right, can we sip it? Yep, okay. absolutely. Oh. I'm getting cherry in the taste. Very yeah. It's much more tart than I was expecting it's very tart, from yeah. the smell. Mm-hmm. And I think cherry is good. Instead of being like a dark black plum, it's mm-hmm. more of like a red plum, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, ooh, I like it. It's very interesting. It, not at all what I thought it was going to taste like. No, it has a lighter taste than it I was expecting. It does. And what's interesting is that this is a 14.5% oh, alcohol. <laughs> so you would expect it to be really, really big. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really much more medium body. It kind of reminds me yeah. of like a Sangiovese, like an Italian. Sure. I believe that. <laughs> Rachel's like, whatever you say. Yeah, it tastes like Pinot Grigio. You can just make up words and be like, okay, yeah. This Checks it, out. Doesn't this remind you of a Spliffenherfen? I was about to say that. I know you were. <laughs> you took the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> so, so far I'm really digging the wine. Same. We do have it decanted, so it's going to yes. continue to open up and get more and more complex as it goes on. Mm-hmm. This is a little bit of a higher end wine. I want to say it was in the like $27 okay. range, something like that, which isn't bad, but... You know, More than we typically spend? Yeah, typically a lot of the celebrity wines that we get are usually, I think, in between the like 15 to $25 20, yeah. dollar mm-hmm. range. Yeah. But by no means is this inexpensive. No. I think it probably is just what you have available to you when you go to your wine store. It is 
And it, I will say it's a little bit more difficult to find Eastern European wines. Mm-hmm. You kind of have to go to a store that's like specifically for wine, which right. is what I did for yeah. us. So should we talk about our... Yes. Story? Okay. Let me grab my notes. All right. So this is exciting for me as an English major. Okay. And for you as well. Yes. Because this is our first literary celebrity. Yep. So... Well, second. Second. That's true. Adult literary celebrity. Fair. Thank you for the correction. We did do Beverly Cleary Mm -hmm. um, recently. But, you know, kids' books are a different vibe, so that's fine. This is Um, a very different vibe. Very different vibe. (laughs) (laughs) We are putting on trial Bram Stoker's Dracula today. Which is kind of fun because it's almost like a twofer celebrity. Because obviously Bram Stoker as the author is a celebrity. But I feel like at this point, Dracula has become such a ubiquitous sort of cultural icon that even though he's a literary character, he's kind of like a celebrity in his own right. He is, right. Because everybody immediately recognizes like a vampire with a specific Dracula look. Mm -hmm. And think about like, I mean, Dracula has been retold so many different Mm -hmm. ways. He's become a character way outside of Bram Stoker's novel to the point where it's like you can be watching kids cartoons and Dracula's gonna show up you can you know it's just it's ubiquitous yeah yeah and we'll talk about the reasons for that too because there is a specific reason why that's endured well you want to talk about Bram Stoker's life let's do it yeah okay I know nothing about him yeah I really hadn't either and I was reading information I was like oh he's an interesting person I bet you'd have to be to write what he wrote yeah so he was born abraham stoker in 1847 so brahm is a nickname for abraham, abraham i yeah. always i was like same brahm's such a weird name like brahm's yeah. lullaby i guess but yeah i thought maybe it was like a germanic name or something right and i was like no he's irish oh abraham okay it makes sense Th- that's a really cool nickname for abraham yeah i like that way better than abe same or ham <laughs> yeah that's fair yeah, so he was born in 1847 um, outside of Dublin, Ireland. Okay. I didn't know he was Irish either. I didn't either. either. I think I just kind of assumed that he was Eastern European. <laughs> Did, well, Stoker, too, doesn't strike me as like a typical like Irish, Irish name. last name. No. no, Mick Stoker. Mick Stoker. Yeah. Or O. Stoker. <laughs> Mick Stokerson. <laughs> yes, there we go. He was a sickly bedridden child. So I love that that ties into like our love of sickly Victorian children. We really do love we do a love child it. with consumption. We like, do. I think secretly we both wanted that because we love sitting in bed reading as yes. children. Oh, I would have loved to have had consumption growing up. I know. Not really because I'm pretty sure it's tuberculosis. Yeah, it, but and it will kill you. It will kill you or yes. paralyze you. Right, yeah. it's not great. No. But think of all the reading you get done. Right, and everybody's like waiting on you all the yes. time. And you get to like look pitiful and like you're very pale yeah and wear like lacy nightgowns yes and you have to moan about the manor holding a candlestick Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. oh perfect for us and then like the doctor comes out of my bedroom with the candle as my parents are sitting there like all angsty and he says you should go in there's not much time Oh, and your parents collapse and weep into each yes. other's arms, mm-hmm. but put on a brave face to see you. Yes. Of course. And I tell them, carry on after I'm gone, but never forget me. Because you will haunt the house. I will. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Yeah. So Bram Stoker was kind of a sick kid, but then he recovered and really did fine through the rest of his life until his death. Well, it sounds like he wasn't very good at consumption. He consumed consumption. Oh, didn't consume wow. him. 
So he was like the Chuck Norris of Irish literature. <laughs> well, I don't know if it was just consumption or some other disease that in 1847. No, that's like, the, the only thing that children got back then. They were immune to every other thing. Yeah. Well, it was either that or smallpox. Oh, ooh, yeah, that's not a good one either. He went on to Trinity College in Dublin. Okay. He worked in a theater. He was an assistant to an actor, Henry Irving, who is a very renowned Victorian actor and was kind of like his right-hand man for most of his life. He also did some jobs as like civil servant, kind of working in newspaper stuff. So weird. I would not see him as a civil servant. But I mean, like a lot of writers were, like Nathaniel mm. Hawthorne was, Henry Melville was really? too. Yeah. It was an easy enough job to get at the so, time. Yeah. It allowed you time for writing. You know, because you're just like taking in documents and like writing in the ledger and then you basically have time to do what you want. Well, and also I think there was such a divide in terms of classes with education yes. where if you were an educated person, that was just what you did, you know? Right. If you were educated but not rich. Right. It was kind of a middle class yeah, sort of. Kind of standard yeah. middle class kind of job. Solidly like genteel, but. Right. You have yeah. enough to live off of. You're doing fine. You're mm -hmm. not starving, but you don't have like a country manor or mm -hmm. something. Right. He married a woman named Florence who had been tutored by Oscar Wilde. Oh, my God. I knew you'd love that. I love that. Yeah. Also, I didn't know that that was an option. I could have been tutored by Oscar Wilde. You could have been. <sighs> my parents suck. Should have been born in the 1800s. Man. <sighs> they didn't collapse about my consumption. They didn't get me tutored by Oscar Wilde. Right. No wonder I cut them out of my life. Right. He and Florence had one child whose name I didn't write down because it doesn't matter. <laughs> They, he was Fuck fine. That kid. He was fine. He lived to adulthood. He outlived his parents. It's fine. Whatever. Um, Stoker traveled around the UK and the US. But then Dracula is really what he's most known for. I literally had no idea about anything right. else he, <laughs> about him. Stoker wrote some other things. They just weren't as successful or as good as Dracula okay. was. He spent a lot of time researching and writing it. Didn't he actually travel? We're going to talk about okay. stuff. Oh, you have a dog hair on your sleeve. There oh, we go. Thank you. Wonder how that got there. <laughs> Not from my dog. So how old was he when he actually wrote Dracula? He was, well, he started writing it when he was in his like mid 40s. And then it was oh, wow. published in 1897 when he was 50. I always like stories like that because it gives me hope that like maybe I can do something really great. Even, yeah. you know, in you my should. middle age. Yeah. Because well, I've, I've accomplished nothing so far. <laughs> <laughs> Except for our hit podcast. Well, yeah. Topher, come on. Might cross-examine you sooner. Oh, no. <laughs> so Dracula is an epistolary novel. Do you know what that means? It means that it was written in letters. Yes. Very good. Take a sip in celebration. Thank you. For remembering some English literature terms. Oh, that's more from the cult. Oh, okay. Well, he's still he's stuck <laughs> with you. <laughs> Oh, the epistles. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So Dracula is written as like a series of letters, like journal entries, things like that. Mm -hmm. which, which is a really fun, clever way to do things. It is. And that was popular at the time too, like the late 1800s. That was popular novel style. Really? Mm-hmm. Every now and then like that'll pop up again today. But like I think the it's... the Dear America and... <gasps> I love yeah. those books. Yes. So I actually read Dracula for the first time when I was in like my young teens, like maybe yeah. 13, 14. And it's funny because I had just come out of the phase of reading those books. And so okay. it was a very natural transition for yeah. me because it was almost just like the grown up version. Yeah. I mean, that was the fun of Dracula, too, is that you're getting multiple perspectives, mm -hmm. which is always fun. And you're getting things written in a way that it doesn't feel forced mm -hmm. with like this 
weird omniscient third person narrator. I think it's always really fun as a writer to do things like that too, to yeah. play around with because mm -hmm. you get to become different people. Mm -hmm. And it's always really cool to see a writer who's able to successfully do that to where, you know, you get to switch between these different voices. And if they're good at it, you start to recognize without even having to be told that, oh, now we're switching back to this person because you, right. you get to know them, yeah. you know, and it's a fun way to get to know a character. It is. And I think it worked especially well, well for Dracula. That one's hitting me already. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> um, that 14 and a half percent is, ooh. I feel like this wine's going to give me real mouth, mouth wine, wine mouth. <laughs> <laughs> we got there eventually. <laughs> Um, well, you're already wearing kind of a dark lip, and I am. honestly, if it does give you wine mouth, this is a really beautiful color. So I think it's going to oh, be it's fine. Gonna and my teeth. We're, well, also <laughs> the subject matter. I think okay. if we get a little bit of wine staining, sure, it's, we'll just. We're both wearing black, which I think we generally lean toward when we record because of the sloppiness of our <laughs> drinking. That's you. You're the one who spills on your boobs all the time. I can't help it <laughs> when you spill on my boobs if you have Oh, them. any chance I got. Exactly. Oops. <laughs> oh, no. Fact checker, come here. We get it, Rachel. You have boobs. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for complimenting me finally. <laughs> So Dracula took several years of work and writing for Stoker to put together. He was friends with this um, professor from oh, some university in Hungary, maybe the University of Hungary. I don't know. I didn't write that down. Is there a university? I'm sure there's a university. Is there a university? Topher, people in Eastern Europe go to school. No, I'm. <laughs> that's not what I'm asking. I'm asking if specifically Topher. there's a university of Hungary, not if Hungary has universities. Uh huh. That's like that's like saying. There's a University of America. There probably is. Take a drink out of well, shame. Trump owns it. Oh, God. Yeah. I'm not taking a drink out of shame. That's a perfectly valid question to well, ask if there's a university called University of Hungary. I'm taking a drink out of self-righteousness. So <laughs> do what you want. I think that you're just a drunk. <laughs> Moving on. So <laughs> No comment. Stoker was friends with this guy named, and again, I'm probably going to butcher the name, Armin Vanbury. Okay who was a professor and writer from Hungary. He was also Jewish, traveled to the UK, and he told Stoker of a lot of these like folk tales. So he was a Hungarian Jewish person yes. who traveled to the UK. And yeah. Was, okay. And professor cool. and writer. So yeah. So and that was his inspiration? Well, it's really kind of unclear what exactly was the inspiration, but um, Stoker has like pulled obviously a lot of his story of Dracula from folk tales, mm -hmm. which a lot of writers do. And I love Especially at the time. I know, that's so great. Oh, I have a book to give you later when we're done. Oh. Irrelevant to this, so just a little fun fact. Um, we can read. Again, we know how to read. We know letters, despite our inability to speak. <laughs> <laughs> Tales of Vampires had also been around for a long time as well, too. So Stoker didn't invent right. the vampire. Right. He made this character, Count Dracula, which has endured as like the symbol for vampires. So just to kind of throw that out there. Is, and I don't know, forgive me if I'm jumping ahead, okay. is vampire folklore native to that Eastern European area? Not from what I gathered. Okay. Because there's a lot of like folklore and tales about like things who are undead or things who like suck the life force out of other people, which isn't specific to a particular geographic gotcha. region. But maybe just like the term vampire, like. Yeah, I think that's the a very... term vampire, fact checker can check this fact. I think that is more of like an Eastern European because I've seen it spelled with a W, like right, wamp wamper. Yeah, or wampir, but like the V and the W are similar. Right, yeah. right. 
So like vampire kind so of So we sounds. kind of anglicized it. Right. Yeah. Colonizers gotta colonize, am right. I right? The English word vampire is a derivative of the German vampire, yeah. which became vampire when passed into French and stayed the same when it was assimilated into English. The German form came from Slavic and Slovak variants, mm -hmm. such as the Polish umpur and the mm -hmm. Belarusian umpir, Ukrainian like Russian and Bulgarian vapor. Oh, sure. I got the vapors. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Thank you, fact checker. Thank you, fact checker. Yeah. So he, Serker pulled from those things to create his story of Dracula. So, you know the story of Dracula, right? I do. Jonathan Harker, Mina Murray, Lucy, Van Helsing, Arthur, Quincy, Dr. John Seward, all those folks. Dr. John Seward? Seward? Hi. Oh, Seward? Seward. I, I call him a Seward. <laughs> I was like, Dr. John, can I say that? <laughs> At that time, it was a very acceptable. No, just kidding. <laughs> it was a very common surname in Victorian England. <laughs> right. So quick summary. The story goes, Jonathan Harker is a lawyer. He is called abroad to... A solicitor. A solicitor. Called abroad to... <laughs> What was that? Fact Checker had a little technical difficulty oh. with his drink for a second. <laughs> He's called about, oh boy, called abroad to Transylvania mm -hmm. to do some like real estate legal document dealings for Count Dracula. Count Dracula is like, oh, I'm a vampire. I'm stuck in your life. Jonathan's trapped there. Dracula goes to England, starts messing with Mina and her friend Lucy, makes Lucy, let me get through this, <laughs> makes Lucy a vampire. Lucy's three love interests are trying to like figure out what's going on. Van Helsing shows up because he's the mentor of Dr. John Seward. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, oh, she's a vampire. Oh, no. Jonathan finally gets free, writes to Mina. Mina's like, oh, no, I'm going to go marry him now. They do that. Then they come back to England. Are like, oh, shit, it's Dracula. We better stop him. Dracula's like, bye. Goes back to Trans... a lot of back and forth travel. A lot of back and forth. A lot of back and forth. It goes back to Transylvania. These were jet setters. He and in the meantime, like Dracula's like put a hold on Mina where she might turn into a vampire if they don't kill Dracula first. So all the dudes go over. Eventually they kill Dracula. Dracula kills the American Quincy, but then Mina's free, and then she and Jonathan grow up happy together, have their own kid, or they name after the American. End of story. So that's it. And now you don't have to read the book. No, you don't have to read the book. Because we did it for you. We did it for you. Those are our That was a wonderful notes. oral book report. Thank you. I get an A. So, so first plot. of all, I feel like we need to have t-shirts. With all of that printed on it? No. Because I will do that. <laughs> with like a drawing of the doctor that says Dr. C word. Okay. <laughs> on it, but like Dr. C dash word. Okay, perfect. We can do that. I'm sure one of our fans can make that. Yeah, make that happen for make us. Make it happen. Yes, that's basically the story. So the story incorporated a lot of elements um, not only with how it was told as an epistolary novel, but also, too, with a lot of, like, action and traveling. It's been described as, like, kind of a travelogue as mm -hmm. well. With it going back and forth. Of course, the action and the, like, the adventure part of it, along with the horror elements of it, too. My favorite part of the book, honestly, is oh. probably the beginning that are the letters from um, What's-His-Face. I just told to, you all of their faces. You know that I don't Jonathan remember people's names. I don't give a shit about names. Except for Dr. Seward. <laughs> well, that's you can't forget that. 
Um, just because of how it sets everything up and that like... Yeah, the Jonathan they, and Mina letter. Yeah, they do a really good job of sort of like sl slowly but interestingly building up this kind of anxiety. Right, because Jonathan doesn't know at first. He's like, oh, it's just kind of this creepy old guy. Yeah. But then he starts to slowly realize what Count Dracula actually yeah. is. I will say I, I respect him mm -hmm. because... I feel like a lot of him kind of ignoring the red flags was like, <laughs> I need to be respectful yeah. of this culture that I am not aware of. Mm -hmm. However, well, we'll get into that, okay. but mm -hmm. I feel like that's where he was coming from. However, as somebody who has not been to an Eastern European country, mm -hmm. if I were to see some of the things happening that were happening, I would have been like, I probably need to go and get a hotel. I don't need to be staying here. Right. This is not a great idea. You'd be like, oh, I I forgot my bag at the train station, right. and I'll just I'll just grab a hotel room for yeah. tonight. I don't want to inconvenience. I don't want to inconvenience you. you. Thank you like, so much for your hospitality. Though. I do respect your culture. However, there are I, women will, crawling on the ceiling right now. And I will now. definitely be back. I'm not escaping. Not escaping. Just to make that clear. I will also give you a great Yelp review. Yes. But. I have to get the Wi-Fi at the hotel, though. So I'm going to oh, go do yeah. yeah, There's go just do no signal here. Yeah. Castles are notoriously bad for cell service. They honestly are. Yeah. It's the thick walls. It, it is. Yeah, that's and true. And the lack of electricity. Well, there's that in, you know, Wi-Fi not being invented, you know. But all that. Yeah. Well, let's talk about Jonathan. Okay. Because you brought it up. Okay. He is very condescending towards the people of Eastern Europe. He, d I do remember him having some language that was almost, it was like He's bordering like, oh, on calling him like savages. Yeah. 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 But I think his deference toward Dracula was more of a class mm. deference than like trying to be polite and respect cultural differences. That's fair. Yeah. You know me, I just love to assume the best about people. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's what I'm known for. You do. So let's talk about a little bit um, this idea of, of colonialism mm -hmm. with a novel because it's sometimes been described as a book where there's reverse colonialism with Dracula coming to England and, and imposing his ways and norms and customs on these English people and the English people being a little freaked out about it and like revolting and trying to fight back against Dracula. Was he imposing his culture on them or was of he simply vampirism. or was he simply practicing his culture and they felt threatened by that? Because I There's assume that. That we're, I assume that we're talking about not so much the vampirism, but the Eastern European. Right. Well, there's that, yeah. So I thought that was kind of an interesting take on it, too. And I don't you, like that. Well, when you think about the it, it book. It feels like it victimizes the people. English? Yeah. It, Who Topher says you should not criticize or no, examine I'm, in any depth or detail. Their no, I'm saying, flawless. I'm saying that I don't think that you should paint the English as victims because they mm. are oppressors and... I gotcha. Having having one person come over who's an aristocrat from a far off land who wants to practice his own culture is not reverse colonialism. <laughs> okay. That's... Fair enough. I thought it was an interesting read on it. Also, one of the kind of themes that literary critics have pointed out for Dracula was that Dracula was kind of a stand-in for English fears and anxieties. Um, especially regarding Jews. Mm. And they read it as an anti-Semitic novel. Re 
Really? Yes. I would definitely say that it's very easy to see that he symbolizes an element of xenophobia. Yeah. And we know that, especially during the Victorian period, there was a lot of there, xenophobia. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, that's absolutely tied in. There was also, too, in the 1890s in Victorian England, a huge jump in the Jewish population okay. because of refugees coming from Eastern Europe mm. um, after all these pogroms had started. So... After all these what? Pogroms. Fact checker, am I saying this correctly? It's a pogrom. I've okay. never heard that term before. Oh, okay. I thought you were like getting on to me about my No, I, I don't know what a pogrom is. Okay, I thought, I'm a little tipsy, but come on. At first I thought you said podgram, and I'm like, is that like people used to send telegrams, but they were like they were podcasts? Of the podcast, yes. Like that sounds expensive and very Time slow consume. to follow. Yeah. No, pogroms. Um... <laughs> this podgram is about Dracula. Stop. <laughs> Now, so pogroms were common in Eastern Europe, especially in Russia, where basically Christians or whoever wasn't Jewish would go in and like basically burn down and destroy Jewish people's homes. Okay. I'm familiar with the concept. Like Fiddler I on the Roof. Yeah. Okay. I, I didn't. Or Fievel. Or Fievel goes west. Or, well, the just Fievel goes. Fievel, an American dream. Fievel gotta go. Fievel gotta, Fievel gotta get. Fievel gotta get gone. Um... Yeah, I'm familiar with the concept of yeah. that happening. I didn't realize that it was called a pogrom. Pogrom? Pogrom, yeah. Fact checker is okay. confirming. Thank How you. How do you spell that? P-O-G-R-O-M. Interesting. Yeah. Because when I first encountered that term in a textbook, I think in like middle school or high school, I was like, oh, they just misspelled program. <laughs> right. They left the R out. I was like, oh, uh, those dummies. I was like, no, it's a different term. Okay. So in the 1890s, this was going on, especially in Eastern Europe. Mm -hmm. So that meant there was a huge jump in the Jewish population in the UK. There was like six times the number it had been previous to these things happening. Wow. So there was a large influx of Jewish refugees coming to the UK. And the way Dracula is described in the novel is similar to a lot of anti-Semitic literature of the time. In terms of like too. beady eyes, big nose. Yeah. A lot of those like caricatures. So, Dark features. Yeah. yeah. So some people read Dracula as like an anti-Semitic novel or mm. a book that's kind of encapsulating the fears of, of Jewish people, but in this way in the book where he's literally a monster that sucks the life force out of like these English people. What's interesting, and I this is not an intellectual podcast, but I am clearly gonna, <laughs> we've I proven do want that. to interject for one moment. Yeah. What's interesting about that theory though is that vampirism is a very common theme of traditional Jewish folklore. Mm. And if he was coming from the author, if he was coming from a mm -hmm. stance of, I'm listening to Eastern European folklore, mm -hmm. if, where there is a large Jewish population, yeah. it seems a little bit, I don't know, it feels a little bit reductive and simple to sure. uh, just jump to anti-Semitism when I feel like there's a more complex issue there. Yeah, and I don't think Stoker himself was necessarily anti-Semitic. You think maybe it was just read that way? I think it could have been read that way. at the time? Or it could have just been, well, not even at the time. I think later on people have read it that way. I just mean like the people, the popular crowd reading it might have identified maybe. Dracula with. Maybe. I don't think it was an overt thing. Yeah. But I think there are definitely those stereotypes that were yeah. common in the media in the 1890s mm -hmm. that kind of probably just influenced Bram Stoker's description of Dracula yeah. more as like an other that's kind of creepy yes. and nefarious yes. rather than like he wrote it specifically as an anti-Semitic right. book and character. 
The book has also touched on other themes that were common in the Victorian era. Such as homosexuality. Yes, very much so. And Lesbianism. It, well, it was. So some people have said that Stoker's Dracula was a direct response to the novel Carmilla. Have you ever heard of that? No. Written in 1872. I don't read lesbian literature. Well, I'm not allowed to. Joke's on you, because <laughs> it's fun. Um, no, I haven't read Carmilla, but Carmilla by Sheridan Le Fanu, which is basically a lesbian vampire book, where some of the, like the lesbian themes are very overt. I love that, that even back then, there was like lesbian vampire fiction. Right. That's a uh, chef's kiss. So this one, it's- We've been around forever. Oh, you're a lesbian? <laughs> well, they're a member of my community. Okay, fair enough. Um, so Dracula was like, oh, here's the male version of that. And there are a lot of kind of like homoerotic themes in Dracula. Oh, for sure. I mean, even just when Jonathan is at Dracula's oh, castle yeah. and the, the, like, the descriptions of the magnetism between yeah. them is like... He feels repulsed, but also attractive. Very, yeah. yeah, drawn to. Yeah. yeah, and I'm like, y'all just need to kiss and get it over with. Well, and you see that too with the characters of Mina and Lucy, and Lucy as yes. well. Lucy is the more sexually liberated, and she's the one who gets turned into a vampire mm -hmm. and punished. Punished. Oh boy, for her. Her. Mm. Take a minute, Rachel. There you go. For her overt sexuality. Yes. Whereas Mina's a little bit more buttoned up and reserved, but mm -hmm. she also kind of exhibits some of the modern womanhood of the 1890s yeah. and the fact that, like, she's smart. She knows shorthand. Like, she's educated. She's a little more independent. Yeah. She kind of goes and not quite saves Jonathan, but is very instrumental to She really plot. is a very strong female character. Yeah. Which was kind of a break from a lot of yeah. Victorian oh, characters yeah. at the time. Damsel in distress. Totally. Right. Yeah. I know that especially during this period of time, it was not uncommon for, especially people of a certain class, to have like their best friend come and stay with them or live oh, with sure, them for long yeah. periods of time. However, in spite of that historical fact, whenever I read about it in literature, I'm always very suspicious where I'm like- You gay. Mm -hmm. yes. Yeah, like, mm, yes. you gay. I'm like, y'all were, were at least practicing French kissing with each other. Oh, for sure. <laughs> for sure. It's like your best friends, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. In the mm -hmm. bath together. Mm -hmm. Come on. Right. Yeah, so Dracula is interesting in that it explores these common themes. Thank you. Of Victorian literature. Now, have I gotten to your surprise yet or no? You've not gotten to my surprise yet. Will Should you... I reveal my surprise? Yeah, reveal it and then let's cross-examine you. So this particular wine okay. is from the hometown or region of a very famous um, alleged <gasps> vampire, Elizabeth Bathory. <gasps> I love Elizabeth Bathory. Countess Elizabeth the Bathory. The story's about her. Speaking of lesbianism. Let's take this back a second. <laughs> so she was born in this region where yes. this wine's from in like 1560 or something like that. And her father and her brother were both aristocratic, I can't remember the name of the term, but it's basically like a viceroy yeah. of Transylvania. Yeah. Where obviously Dracula takes yes. place. And yes. so it's interesting that not only is this from her region and she was alleged to be a vampire um, by her detractors, but yes. also that her brother is linked to the region where Dracula took That's place. That's really cool. The yeah. cool thing about 
Elizabeth Bathory's story is that there are these legends of her killing like her maids or like, like young women. Yeah. Yeah. And it's hard to know if that actually happened or if that has been exaggerated because of her political enemies. I think that it time. was I think it was exaggerated because of her political enemies right. because they were bringing in people who were witnesses mm -hmm. to say that, oh, I saw like her journal entries and I saw her letters that she's burned and they were illiterate. Service. So how would they know? Yeah. Yeah. And also she just drew pictures. Of also, her, like, there killing. were people who were said to have been killed by her mm -hmm. that were married and living like a kingdom over. Essentially, like, no, I'm, I'm alive. I'm fine. Yeah. And it's also interesting because she was convicted of yeah. being a serial killer and was placed under house arrest. And placed right? under house arrest. The Pope is the person who opened up this investigation against oh, her. Oh, okay. If she had been convicted of killing 300 people... Why would you be placed in her house or out? She would have been burned at the stake. Right. Fair point. So I think that the whole thing was just a political... Because her family held a lot of power. Yeah, so probably A political. lot of power. Yeah. yeah. So but, it, was just a, it was just a reason to come and seize her lands and her assets. Sure, yeah. But I think it's interesting. And one of the supposed reasons why she killed these women was to bathe in their blood to give her eternal youth and yep. beauty. And you Which see we do that. know is... Scientific. Short over. They have to be virgins. Okay. But that that idea of a vampire consuming to stay young pops up in Dracula. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the life source, you right. know? Whereas other vampire stories or folktales, which is like, oh, no, they just kind of suck the life out of you just because they're driven to do that. Right. Not because it gives them any sort of right. benefit necessarily. So it's interesting that Stoker incorporated that. Now, I will say to those of you listening at home, just make sure that, like I said, you're going for virgins. And I know that virgins are harder and harder to find these days. So I find it's best to stick where, okay, with like where are we going? toddlers or babies. <laughs> Topher. Unless they belong to the Catholic Church, because then they're probably not virgins. Topher. Topher. It's just a pro tip. Topher. You know, let's cross-examine you. Okay. I have a surprise for you for cross-examination. No? I thought you were going to get up and go to the bathroom. Hey, fact checker, you have a, a hair stuck to your son. I it's called it's a mine. beard? <laughs> we have a special cross-examination wine. Oh, no. So this is actually Romanian. <gasps> from Transylvania. <gasps> I love it. Um, it is only 9% alcohol. Okay. And it is a sweet red. Oh, boy. So, which is why we are not drinking this as our main okay, wine. Okay, fair. We're just doing this for cross-examination. Okay. Do we I need different glasses? I have a special glasses? glass for each of us. <gasps> Thank you. Are these mine? These are yours. You just took them out of my I wine did. cabinet. Okay, fair. And you didn't fair. even notice. I didn't. I didn't think I had to start keeping track of my possessions when you came over. But I don't know why you assumed that. Yeah. <laughs> That's so silly of you. on me. <laughs> so, I'm going to open this up. And... Here's going to be the rules. So rather oh. than rather oh, okay. rather than celebratory sip, okay, and penalty sip. Okay. If I get it wrong, I have to drink. But if I get it right, you have to drink. Okay. All right. We are going to taste this first though before we drink. Well, good thing I made all of our quiz questions um essay questions. Oh god, no. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm going to be so drunk. <laughs> I can do it real quick if I need to. I know you can. All right, so tell us about this wine while you pour. I don't really know a whole lot about it. Okay. Um again, 
Eastern European wine is very mysterious. This is <laughs> this is a native. <laughs> You're playing into the stereotypes. It's like I mean, nobody like, knows. I couldn't find any information on it. Like okay. Wikipedia was the only article that came up okay. on the entire Google search, and it was like a paragraph just talking about where it's from. And I'm like, I know where it's from. <laughs> like I know about Romania, but it's it's a native Romanian grape called Fetiasha Niagara. Okay, which is I'm sure that's like wow. noir. Like, yeah, like, well, yeah, yeah Romanian dark. is Latin based. So that makes sense. Yeah. So anyway. Cheers. Cheers. There we go. Now we get a little glass clink. Oh, it doesn't smell sweet. Oh, I think it does. Okay. Really? I think mm-hmm. it smells funky. <laughs> what does funky smell like to you? Like, fact checker, smell that. Doesn't it smell funky? I'm also getting a little dish detergent smell, but that's probably from the glass. That happens a lot with your glassware. Maybe you need to get a different dish detergent or maybe you should just come over and hand wash all of my glassware for me maybe fact checker since that's his job okay all right fact checker is nodding thanks let's taste it okay okay it's It's not unpleasant it's sweet it's sweet but it's not unpleasant no it's not bad tasting maybe a dessert wine yeah okay it's kind of port like okay yeah okay yeah but not it's not a fortified wine you, oh, fact checker's not a fan. No, he's not a fan. Okay. okay. Well, let's get into this. Mm-hmm. Let's do it. Okay. I'm going to be so good at this. We're going to see. Okay. I was about to start reading you my facts. I was like, <laughs> I was like oh, no, I already told him that Brom Stoker's full name was Abraham Stoker, and he was born in Dublin. I turned to the wrong Groundhog page. Day. <laughs> ah. All right. This is going to be a true or false quiz. You always get me with the true false one. I ones. know. So there's a chance for me yet to win this. Because you do win cross-examinations. That is a legal term in the courts. Yes. Yes. The judge will be like, And also you are correct that I do win cross-examinations. I I meant the you as in generalized you, not you specifically, because you're going to lose this one. In 1901, there was an Icelandic translation of Dracula that was much more sexual and graphically violent than the original. True or false? Oh, I really don't know a lot about us Icelandic literature other than the Edda. Um, they have really long nights there. And so mm-hmm. I'm going to assume that they need some sex and violence. Okay. I'm going to say true. It is true. Ah! Okay, I'm drinking. I was about to take a celebratory sip. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to stop you. I know. I, I saw you watching me and that's what made me stop. I was like, wait, what am I doing wrong? <laughs> Yeah, so there was this translation. Bram Stoker actually wrote the introduction for this new translation because he was alive at the time. I was like, yeah, cool, do it. <laughs> He's like, make it sexy. He he didn't know that the translator was adding stuff in to the story and nobody bothered taking that translation back to English for like decades. So nobody really knew that like the Dracula in Iceland was very different than the Dracula in like other versions around the world. That's hilarious and yeah. wonderful and I love it. I know. Like that's so funny and cool. I wonder if they've done that, if Iceland's done that with other novels. Like, is there like a I don't know. Really like pornographic version of little women? Oh, Topher, come on. Lori is sexy. Just the Christian Bale version. I don't like the yeah. Timothy Chalamet version well, of Lori. Well, we talked about that. I know. That's a different We're literary. not going to get into that again. I can't talk about that again. <laughs> I, I mustn't. All right. Next question. Okay. Bram Stoker, we know, 
took his time researching and he true and he was a traveler so he actually traveled to transylvania and spent three years there researching true or false i know that he traveled to transylvania but i don't know how long he was there mm. true or false Topher? Oh, man i'm gonna say you're trying to trip me up with the time period so i'm gonna say false because it was longer or shorter okay it is false, but not because of the reason you said, so we both take a sip. Okay, that's fair. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers. He never went to Transylvania. What? He never did. Did he travel in Eastern Europe at all? No. Oh my God, why did I think that? Because it seems so authentic because of the book. So he did spend a lot of time researching. Mm -hmm. And he did have that Eastern European friend. He did, that yeah. Was to so, him. and he incorporated like real names of like Romanian, Hungarian, like dishes and places and like railway schedules and things like that to make it seem really authentic, but he never went there. Do you think that his Eastern European Jewish friend went through and proofread and looked up at the end of it and was like, why'd you gotta make him so Jewish? I don't know, maybe, maybe. Why he gotta be Jewish? Time will tell. Okay, so the character Lucy mm -hmm. in the novel. Lucy Weston. Weston, Westenra, Westenra, Westenra. I don't know. Doesn't matter. Always sounds like wisteria to me. Yes. So she's turned into a vampire and then she's re-killed, I guess, dies again when her fiance and her other suitors come and like behead her in her tomb and stuff like that. <coughs> yep. So that was partially inspired, that like vampiric death was partially inspired by real life events. True or false? Ooh. Ooh. I can see that being something that, well, you mean in terms of I'm not sure I understand the question. Do you mean like... I won't clarify. Okay. <laughs> That's what I was afraid of. <laughs> I'm sure that there is vampiric lore about how to kill vampires, mm -hmm. obviously. And I'm sure that people who were very superstitious, much like witch hunts, probably actually killed people that they suspected of being vampires. Mm -hmm. And I do know that Vlad the Impaler used yes. to cut people's heads off and put them up on pikes. Pikes, yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm going to say true. It's true. Oh my God, I'm killing this. But not for the reasons you said. So let's both take a drink. It's my I game. I don't know that I trust this. My rules. <laughs> Bram Stoker was kind of neighbors in kind of acquaintances with poet and painter Dante Gabrielle Rossetti. Of the Rossetti Stone. Yes. Who had married this woman. She died. He was like so on top like romantic and like crazy after his wife died that he wrote a bunch of poems and buried them with her and like had them intertwined into her long red hair and buried her underground. That's some Victorian white people nonsense it right is. there. It gets worse though. Oh no. He later on was like, oh man, I really want those poems back. No. Mm-hmm. Why didn't he just make copies? Nope. He dug her up. He exhumed her pulled these poems from her hair and the rumors are that like some of her red hair came off when he was from her corpse hair yeah when he was pulling the poems from her her dead body that had been dead for a bit that's gotta be the most victorian story i think i've ever I heard no and why hasn't that been turned into like a movie or show it sounds straight up edgar Allan poe it does also, I'd like yeah. to point out that in addition to being beheaded, yeah. Lucy also got her mouth stuffed with garlic, which honestly, like... Yeah. I like garlic. Yeah. 
Okay, I'll take it. That would be, I think, probably, aside from like the fact that I get squeamish around blood, yeah. that would be the worst part about being a vampire. Garlic, yeah. You know how much I love Italian food. I know. So you just couldn't eat any Italian people. Oh my God. <laughs> Italy was safe from yeah. vampires. Well, you don't hear about Italian vampires now, do or you? Or Greek. Yeah. There we go. It's true. They don't mess around with the Mediterranean because of the garlic. Yeah. Because <laughs> you just of the garlic at Olive Garden. When you're here, you're safer from vampires. <laughs> All right, next one. Dracula was originally called the Plague of the Undead from the East. True or false? Ooh, that sounds extra xenophobic, and so I'm going to say true. False. Oh, no, you finally got me. Okay. I got you. Fair. Fair. It was originally called the Dead Undead, and then later just shortened to the Undead. Hmm. But Dracula is just a better title. Dracula is yeah. a better title. Okay. Bram Stoker's widow sued the filmmakers of the film Nosferatu for copyright infringement. That, True or false? It does sound like something that would happen because I know that a lot of people have mistaken Nosferatu as a riff on Dracula. Mm -hmm. When actually I think that the story of Nosferatu predates Dracula because it does come from folklore. Mm-hmm. So if she did try and sue, it would have been unsuccessful. Okay. True. It is true. But she was successful. Oh, Wait, she I'll was. take a drink. Oh, my God. <laughs> you knew I was going to How is she some. successful? Nosferatu, isn't that, like, based on folklore? It is, but so is Dracula. So basically... <sighs> you can't sue people over folklore. Well, in the 1920, late teens, 20s, she goes. like the late teens, I yeah. want to say. She was successful in her lawsuit... And the German filmmakers were ordered to destroy all copies of Nosferatu, but one copy survived and eventually made its way to the U.S., which is why we still have images. I was going to say I've seen Nosferatu. It. Yeah, I actually watched it. Right, and that's like it's kind of scary it, too. It is, and it's like one of the early like groundbreaking films mm -hmm. when film was very new. It's it's so interesting because it is a silent movie mm -hmm. and. But the makeup is like really, really good. And I remember watching it. And I think yeah. one of the reasons it's so eerie and scary to me is because it reminds me of like something from a modern horror movie that they would have like playing on the like projector screen yeah. to mm -hmm. figure out like this is what's haunting us kind of situation, yeah. you know? Well, and that film too was so cool because of like the special effects and they played around a lot with like the angles. Angles so this, and lighting. And the lighting, yeah. yeah. So the cinematography of that film was like really cool. I remember yeah. in film class learning about that film, being like, oh my God, that's really cool mm -hmm. and like brand new at the time. It's a testament to the the director because I mean he did a fantastic job. And I'm saying he because I just assumed that at that time yeah, it, was it was a man. <laughs> um <laughs> because Mur women Murnau? can't be directors. Was it Murnau? Monroe something like that. Are you trying to say Monroe? Maybe. <laughs> Rachel Maddow? Yes, Rachel Maddow directed that film. Nice. Yeah. All right, next question. I'm killing this cross-examination, by the way. Yeah. 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 Bram Stoker was friends with Walt Whitman. True or false? Hmm. True. True or false? You going to tell me why you think it's that? Because they met each other and decided to become friends. You can't, if I get it right, you can't make me drink for that. Okay, that is true. <laughs> I'll drink. There's more to the story than that, though. I'm sure Let there is. Let me tell you. Yes. Walt Whitman was gay, right? Yes. Yeah. Very much so. There was a Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman movie, or Ooh. movie, episode about 
that. Walt Whitman being yeah. gay? Mm-hmm. Or just about Walt Whitman? No, about him being gay. Yeah? And like a positive light, Dr. Quinn met his woman? Uh, so it started off negative because uh, okay. he took an interest in the youngest son of Dr. Quinn. Okay. And they would go fishing together. And mm-hmm. she was basically painting him as a predator and okay. was very worried. And so she ended up like spying on them and then like saw how wholesome their friendship right. was and it changed her opinion about she was like gay people aren't predators yeah which it's was okay for like the early in 90s, the 90s. Yeah. yeah that's true so way to go dr quinn and jane seymour playing jane, dr quinn dame jane seymour she's not a dame is she not no she just has a jewelry line oh well yeah. she also owns a castle well good for her I want a castle. Yeah, you could be a dame if you had a castle. I guess I could. So yeah, Bram Stoker was a huge fan of Walt Whitman's Leaves of Grass poetry book Mm. and basically wrote him fan mail. That's so cool. And was like, hey, I think your your book's really great. Like, I hope we meet if I ever go to the U.S. Whitman wrote him back and was like, oh, your letter was so sweet and so nice. And, you know, I don't think it's likely, but if we ever do meet, that would be fantastic. They ended up meeting when Stoker traveled to the U.S. with his theater company, basically. And they met and hung out several times and were buds. That's really cool. Yeah, isn't that cool? Do you think they they did it? I think so. We'll go into Bram Stoker's personal life. Okay. (laughs) All right, we're we're almost there. All right, two more questions. One of the rumors about the inspiration for Dracula came as a result of Bram Stoker having some bad seafood and having nightmares. True or false? Your stomach has something to say about (laughs) it. Seriously. You know, it's so funny. I always hear people talk about how, like, what you eat influences your dreams. Yeah. And I don't know that that's... Is that scientifically true? I've never felt that. I've never had, like, a bad dream because of indigestion. I just wake up and my stomach hurts. Yeah. And then I can't go back to sleep. Yeah. However, I can see them saying that back then. So I, I, I think that that rumor existed. I think that that's... You're saying true? Yeah. Okay, damn it. You're right. <laughs> Let me have a drink. Because people did think back then that indigestion or, I guess, in this case, food poisoning yeah. <laughs> would cause, like, nightmares yeah. and things like that. Well, I'm sure you don't get a good night's sleep, like, if your stomach is upset. No. But are you having nightmares as a result? Or are you just laying on your bathroom floor? Or just being like, oh my God. (laughs) That's probably more the case. Yeah. Yeah, So Stoker wrote that um, he had some bad crab. So he and I are aligned with like, don't eat seafood Mm. on this. And he had a nightmare that night that was about this man who was um, being attacked by these three women. Kind of like the three vampires yeah. attacking Jonathan at Dracula's castle. Which is also a very sexy scene. Oh, yeah. Um, and then he, that was like supposedly like the inspiration for the novel, which I don't think it was the inspiration for the book, but maybe that scene I can see as like yeah. being the inspiration for it. Well, I can definitely say if you, I've had nightmares before where it's like, that's not going to be the plot of something that I write, but that's definitely going to be like, an influence. Like, ooh, what a cool like a, idea yeah, or yeah, yeah. image that stuck with you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, final question. I had a nightmare about you last night. Did you? Yeah. Was I Dracula? No. Um, I got here to do our podcast recording, and oh. you weren't here. And then I was, like, calling you, and you were like, yeah, you're just doing the podcast by yourself today. Remember we talked about that? And I was like, <laughs> I... No. 
feel like I've done no research on Dracula. Oh, <laughs> None no. whatsoever. Oh, no. Oh, it's, a, it's kind of sweet, though. I need you, you. You do need me, and I'm glad that your subconscious recognizes that. <laughs> All right, final question. So we know there have been a lot of adaptations mm, mm-hmm. of Dracula. Yes. There is a new movie that's going to come out in 2024, so like they're still in the process of it. Okay. And Justin Bieber is set to star as Dracula. True oh, or false? Oh, no. Oh, my God. It's like from Justin to Kelly meets Dracula. Yeah, but with a different uh, Justin and no Kelly. Uh, I'm going to say false because I don't want it to be true. Okay, it's false. Oh, thank God. You scared me so bad. I was just going to be like, okay, abort. I'm done. Done with this planet. So, But there have been some bad ones. There have been, yeah. So, fact checker, he crushed it, didn't he? I think I got one wrong. Yeah. Well done. Thanks. The best you've ever done. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember. I'll just go with it. I don't remember. There's I'm no way to know. I'm going to switch back to my good wine okay, now. I'm going to finish this. Get it, girl. Don't spill on your boobs. I didn't. But I think I got some on my nose. Oh, no. <laughs> That's fair. So let's talk about Bram Stoker's sexuality. Mm-hmm. There were rumors that he had a sexless marriage with his wife, mm-hmm. which I'm like, okay, they at least had sex one time to have a child. Yeah. They did, they did have a son. Or... Or she was fooling around. I was going to say, is it really his son? I have a question for you about this. Mm -hmm. Obviously, we know that Victorian uh, culture on the outside Mm -hmm. is very prim and proper. You don't talk about sex. You don't educate on sex. Sex does not exist. All of this. And then I've heard a lot about how, like, Victorians were fucking freaky. But then I also hear a lot about sexless marriages. And so I wonder, like, yeah, there were probably some freaky people, but... Like, was Victorian culture and society as a whole generally very freaky behind Mm. closed doors? Or was it just that there were some notable people who were freaky? Probably a mixture of both. When I was researching this, um, especially when it came to, like, the women and their sexuality in in the book, the characters, it talked about how it was a reversal of men being seen as the ones who were maybe a little more promiscuous or interested in sex or the sexual aggressors or kind of freaky as you so eloquently said. (laughs) Um, Or freaky deaky. And that how kind of like the Victorians kind of thought, well, men have these intense sexual urges and desires, Mm -hmm. but women aren't supposed to. Yeah. Men are sexual creatures. Right. Women are demure and and domestic and and, pure. Yeah. Yeah, we know this. So this idea, we do. This idea of like the freakiness of the Victorians probably comes from maybe men wanting to be more sexual or expressing sexual desires outside of the accepted norm of like sex with a woman in a marriage. Because this is also predating, very closely predating like vibrators being invented as a means of giving women orgasm because they weren't having orgasms and people believed that that was probably justifiably, making them hysterical and, you right. know. Right. Well, also, too, the Victorian era spans a long range it, of time, She too. lived a long time. Yeah, it was, like, from the 1840s, like, 1901-ish. So yeah. it was, like, a 60-year period. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, this was also the time, too, where pornography in terms of photographs first emerged because the camera was invented. I love, too, that the first, like, moving picture. Yeah was a pornographic film. Right. Like the technology came out and the very first thing they did with it was They're like naked lady. Make, yep. Naked lady. <laughs> gotta gotta get a woman naked moving around on move camera. Her. She gets to move. 
Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, compared to pictures, it's like, oh my gosh. Yeah. I can see those boobs move now. Yeah. Didn't they, during the Victorian times, sell a lot of those? We had them as kids, but not for pornographic reasons, but the like. <laughs> I hope not. The like binocular things that oh, yeah. you would like. What are those Click called? Pictures there. Yeah. You know what? You know what they're called. Fact checker is going to look it up. Okay. I know that Nickelodeons were a thing at the time. Is that what it's called? A Nickelodeon? Mm, no, I think where you would like put different. a coin in yeah, and I you think could put see. a nickel in or something. Or, yeah. yeah. But you could view like master. view masters. View masters. Yeah. yeah. But they had those, and maybe it was the Nickelodeons. But you could put your coin in, and you could click. You could click, kind of click through a series of images. Yeah, yeah. Of women who were in various states of undress. Right. Well, yeah, but I mean, like, Victorian sexuality was known for, like, being repressed, but also very, I don't know, freaky, I guess is the best word for it, honestly, like Mm. you said. But not for women, for men. Yeah. So the Dracula book kind of twisted that because you have the character of Lucy, who at one point says in the book, well, why can't I marry three men if I want to, if they're Mm. all interested in me? Girl, why can't you? Girl, right? And at the time, I'd be like, oh, it's so scandalous. So I think it's interesting that Lucy dies in the book because it's still upholding that. Victorian. Victorian. Yeah, she got her just desserts. Right. Yeah. So It's also interesting from a point of view of kind of, if you're looking at literary devices, the mm-hmm. foils mm-hmm. of maybe her being the foil of Jonathan mm-hmm. and her, because Jonathan is very chaste. He's very. Um, and so is Mina. Yeah. And he's very yeah. devoted to Mina. Yeah. He's a one woman man. And yeah. then he's got these three vampiric like, sexual predators right. who are coming after him. And he's still like, no, Mina versus Lucy. you've got Lucy, who's much more sexually liberated. Yeah. And then has three suitors who are She's very like, staunch, yeah. like Victorian men who are very proper and like. They want to kind of rein her in. So each one of them is sort of an opposite or foil that's, of yeah, each other. Yeah, that's a good way to think about it. Talking about Jonathan's character, too, and going back to your earlier point about his attraction to Dracula, part of the reason the rumors about Stoker being gay persist is kind of because of those scenes and because of the idea that Dracula has to penetrate people through a bite mm. to suck their life force. Yeah, that's where they're like, oh, it's, he's gay. It's right. for gay reasons. And Stoker was buddies with Oscar Wilde, too. So he's got two, two gay, gay buddies. best friends. Yeah. yeah. But what's interesting, though, is that, like, right before Stoker's death in 1912, he denounced, like, homosexuality. He's like, oh, all gay people should be sent to jail. Even though throughout his life he had been friends with Oscar Wilde and Walt Whitman, and he would continued his friendship with Oscar Wilde even after Oscar Wilde was basically convicted for being gay. Mm-hmm. But I mean, at the end, he was like, oh, I'm not, because I say gay people go to jail. Yeah, that's... Like, mm. I also feel like back then, there wasn't any kind of understanding of sexuality as a spectrum. Sure. And so I think for a lot of people, there was sort of a, you have to be one or the other. Mm-hmm. And I think there were probably a lot of historical figures who were bisexual. Oh, for sure. Yeah. had attractions to both. Like, there's no reason to suppose that... He's one he, or the other. Right? Yeah. Scare, he could have had some sexual relationships with some men, but also been attracted to his wife and had a very great sex life with her. You know, we don't really, we don't well, have to, we don't have to say it's one or the other is what I'm saying. No, we don't. We don't have to say that. But by all accounts, like they did not have an intense like sex life. But Was she writing about it? How do we know this? Yeah, Who's her journal is like still dry. <laughs> Oh, my nethers. Day 427 of him not noticing my new tattoo. Right. 
Well, that could have been a thing. Ooh, tattoos are also a really popular thing in the Victorian era, which I find fascinating. It is fascinating. Yeah. There's a lot of speculation about Dracula, but I think that undercurrent of like sexuality and like kind of naughty sexuality is what made Dracula endure for so long too. Because not only is there that like creepy scariness to the story, but there's also that element of seduction. Sensuality. And attraction. Yeah. yeah where you're like, oh, maybe. You make an interesting point there because I'm realizing as I as I listen to you, <laughs> I'm realizing because I associate vampires with sensuality yeah and i guess i assumed that those inherently went together because of how over time they've always been expressed in media yeah. but i'm realizing now it's really kind of thanks to bram stoker like yeah if it weren't it, for bram stoker we wouldn't have the sexiness that is true blood it would have been a completely oh, for different sure, type yeah. of, you wouldn't have had anne rice novels you wouldn't have had yeah. true blood twilight wouldn't have been a thing right the idea that yeah. these mysterious and and menacing kind of predatory creatures are also incredibly sensual and use their abilities to mesmerize and seduce people right it's so different well let's talk about the reason why dracula has had such an enduring legacy please so he briefly mentioned the copyright issue Mm -hmm. with his um widow suing the german film company filmmakers who made nosferatu in the u.s Stoker tried to file for copyright for Dracula when he brought it over. And he did travel in the U.S. a lot, too. He messed up the copyright thing, though. And it ended up later in the 1930s when Universal Studios went to buy the rights to Dracula, realized that he had fucked up the copyright and it wasn't under copyright. This is for the... um... The film adaptation. Like the Bella Lugosi. Lugosi, yes, yeah, 19, okay. yeah 1931. Gotcha. I'm pretty sure 1930, I think 31 adaptation of Dracula. So part of the reason it has endured is because it's in the public domain. And in the U.S. has always technically been in the public domain. Honestly, if I had created something that's so culturally popular, which it yeah. was even when he was It, w- it was popular. Yeah, we'll talk yeah. about that too. I feel like I would obviously want to make as much money off of it as I can while I'm alive. But after I'm dead, I would probably just put it into the public domain and be like... Go nuts. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? Because, I mean, think about how his legacy has endured now. It has, yeah. Everyone knows who Bram Stoker is. Because of Dracula. Right. Well, his legacy has endured because of Dracula, but he didn't really see any money from it during his lifetime. But it was pretty well received. Like, one... Literary critic said that Stoker was the Poe of the 90s, the 1890s, mm-hmm. which I really like. But I think it's kind of interesting parallels to Edgar Allan Poe's life, too, of like having that popularity but not really getting that financial benefit mm-hmm. from from being popular. But probably a lot of the reason that Dracula has lasted so long in the, you know, the cultural consciousness is because of that public domain issue. Yeah. So it was made into that 1931 movie with Bela Lugosi as Dracula, which gave us that iconic Dracula look of like the dark slicked back hair. Widow's peak. The widow's peak, the collar, the cape with the collar, the fangs, which is the first time like fangs were really shown on film. Fun. Which is kind of cool too. And then there was like a 1950s version of Dracula with Christopher Lee as Dracula. Christopher Lee. I All know. right. And that, his version of Dracula was like a very kind of like overtly sexual Dracula. Rebella Lugosi's wasn't. Right. They kind of toned down the sex stuff for the 1930s. Yeah. Which made sense with like the Hayes Code things going on at the time. And Christopher Lee was sexy too. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I could get it. And then we have the 1992 Dracula 
film made by Francis Ford Coppola. Good job, take a drink. Thank you, I will. Do you know who brought him that script? No. <laughs> okay. Winona um, Ryder. Oh. Who plays Mina in the film? Such that is such a good adaptation. Yes. It's I think we, we talked about this in our very first episode yes. about Francis Ford Coppola. Coppola. Yeah. Coppola. I always yeah. say Coppola. He will come after you. He you get it wrong. <laughs> And uh, it was funny because I had introduced Fat Checker to that movie. He had not seen it before. Mm. And we were watching it. We were drinking wine. But other than that, like, he wasn't stoned or anything. And he was like, I feel like I am high right now watching this movie. This is such a trippy movie. And And it is. It's made to be that way. Yeah. Yeah. But it's also the way that it's filmed just captures the emotions that you feel as you're reading the book so well. Well, Coppola did something really cool with that film was that he relied on these old movie tricks. There's no CGI in that movie mm. at all. So it's all like painted sets, like superimposed, like different layers of like film reel wow. on top of each other. Like the zoom, like the zoom in, zoom out, with like the little... You know what I mean. Yeah. I'm motioning like people can see what I'm doing, but we, you get We it. all know this podcast is a visual medium. Again, we know this. Um, his son, Roman, did the special effects okay. for the film. It won um, an Oscar for Best Costumes. I was going to ask if it yeah. won, because even like the transformation of Gary it won Oldman. For, it won for makeup. Yeah. Went to, I believe. I know one was for costumes. I think one was for maybe for special effects, I want to say. Fact checker can check the fact. But yeah, how they transformed Gary Oldman. Yeah. Gary Oldman, yeah. But when Ona Ryder plays Vina in the movie, she brought that script to Coppola because she was supposed to be in Godfather 3. She had some medical problems, so she had to drop out. Coppola cast his daughter, um, Sophia, in it. But then Winona felt, she's like, oh, I think I've pissed him off. I want to make this up to him and say, hey, wouldn't this be a cool script? Let's make it a movie. And he was like, hell yeah, let's make it a movie. And she was cast in it. Right, best so. costume design, best and makeup and hairstyling, okay. obviously. Yes. Best sound editing and best production, production design. design. Nice. Thank you. And all of those are All deserved. of those are true. Yeah. yeah. I rewatched it the other night with Boyfriend. And like some parts are obviously cheesy, but it's made to be that way. Right. Yeah. Again, I think that he borrows from a lot of like old film tactics. And, and that was so, the point. He was yeah. trying to bring back that like early film vibe that yeah. had been in the early Dracula And I'm here for it. Yeah. I think it's such a good movie. Now, it adheres pretty closely to mm-hmm. the novel. The one thing that was kind of added in was that romance between Dracula and Mina mm-hmm. and the reason behind it being like Dracula's wife had died and da 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 And some of the things in that film of Dracula being based on like Vlad the Impaler, who was a real historical figure right. who fought against like the Ottoman Empire that wasn't in the novel. And it's very unclear if Stoker really pulled any inspiration from the real life Vlad the Impaler when he wrote Dracula, or if that was just kind of something gotcha. that people just kind of conflated together over. That's time. interesting because I've always heard it told that he that Vlad was the original Dracula and that's what Dracula's based off of. Right. And I guess maybe people are just sort of I think there were stories of vampires yeah. based off of Vlad the Impaler mm. that then of course we associate okay you know, vampires, Dracula, obviously that goes together. Even though Stoker didn't necessarily draw upon Folklore, though, is so tricky and fluid. It is. Because it, by nature, just changes so much based on who's telling it. And there's a a woman that I follow on TikTok who, she has her master's degree in folklore. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. 
She's wonderful. I love her stuff. But she talks about that a lot, about the difference between mythology and folklore. Mm -hmm. Because mythology can be something that is, you know, it's very set. And it does change over time based on the time period, the culture, the people. A lot of these are oral traditions, too. So things change. Whereas folklore is so much more fluid. And, Mm -hmm. you know, even urban legends are folklore. Right. Yeah. And so it, it really kind of, you can't get folklore wrong because it's... Right. It's all about the interpretation and the way that it's retold. Yeah. Versus mythology has a bit more to do with like a theological sort of. Right. There's a religious aspect to it. There's yeah. an aspect of like belief in some higher power, whether that's like a god or some other right. deity. Right. Yeah. So it's very it's very important to be respectful with both of them. But mm-hmm. there's a lot more wiggle room when it comes to folklore yeah. because of the way that it gets adapted and changed and and adopted by different cultures too. Yeah. Like it's it's difficult to appropriate folklore mm-hmm. because there are so many parallels within these different cultures. Yeah, you know that's true. But I do love one of the tips that she gave me that I'm going to pass on to our listeners. Mm. If you've not heard, never have a mat outside of your home that mm-hmm. says welcome on it or mm-hmm. something similar because that is a loophole that a vampire will use. They, you have just yes. invited them into your home. They don't need to ask permission. Yeah. You dead. You dead. So let's talk about some of the vampire things. Yeah. So one of them is they don't like garlic. Mm-hmm. That was in Stoker's Dracula. I'm not sure why he picked up on that. Maybe that came from a like a folk tale. I feel like tale. that's like, got to be that, folklore. That, had to that be sounds like an folklore. old wives' tale, kind of like people hang would hang garlic, garlic by their by door. The door yeah. yeah, but he incorporated that, so that was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Having to be invited in, I think, is a cool thing too. Yes, again, that kind of plays into that seduction aspect of like you kind of want the vampire there. It's also something because technically vampires still fall under the umbrella of the fae. Mm. And the Fae have to be invited in as That's part true. of their yeah. because there's a veil between worlds, and so they can't enter a mortal's dwelling because that's their domain. World. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's interesting because like zombies and vampires are so different, even though they're both like undead, mm-hmm. but they behave so differently and they're treated very differently in our stories about them. Yeah, very and very different cultures. That created these folklores as well. Yeah. So there's also the vampire thing about the mirrors. They don't see their reflection. Or show up in photographs. Yes. One of my favorite tropes about like vampire movies is the trope of like the vampire explaining how all the other tropes are actually wrong. Like that always like cracks me up when I see that. Because like some vampire like movies or shows are like very much like, oh no, the vampire can't do da-da-da-da. And it's just like, okay, that's treated as fact. But in other things, like some human character will say like, wait can't you blah, 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 or you're not allowed to be like, that's just a story. They do a lot of that in True Blood, and it's always really funny when yeah. it happens. Did you ever watch the movie? I can't remember what it's called, but it has the actress from Don't Trust the Bitch in Apartment 23. Okay. Um, the dark-haired girl. Yeah. But I, I love her. She's so funny. I think it's Alicia Silverstone. Okay. And they're like vampire roommates together. Oh. And Sigourney Weaver is the evil, like, head vampire. Oh, it's called Vamps? Vamps, yes. Perfect. It's so good. I haven't good. seen it. It's really, really good. It's you should cute. watch it. It's worth it. watching. Okay, yeah. I'll have to watch it. Is that your favorite vampire movie? Oh, I do like that one. I do like Bram Stoker's Dracula. Dracula. That's a good one. Yeah. A very, obviously, very different vibes. Vibes, yeah. yeah. Tones are very different. Yeah, I think that Bram Stoker's Dracula by Francis Ford Coppola might yeah. be my favorite. Yeah. 
vampire movie. I do love vamps. I do love True Blood, which is a show, obviously. It got, it got a little bit off the rails. I got a lot off the rails. I was recently rewatching through it and I got to like it's, season five. It's kind and of I hard like, to rewatch. Yeah. I need a break. Yeah. But the started, first like couple of seasons are The first really couple of seasons are fun, but yeah, after a while I'm just like, I'm done. So okay. I love Anna Paquin. Like, no shade to her, but is she really the mortal that these vampires are fighting. I, I wasn't going to say it. I, I was she, waiting for you to say I know she has like the fey blood and da 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 da. Well, that's what it is. I mean, like her character is just so dull. Her character. Is she dull? Yes, she is dull. I think Jason Stackhouse is dull. <gasps> he's that's dumber fair. than a box of bricks. Yeah, he is dumb, but he's supposed to be really hot. And he was. He was he like was. very muscular and cut and. That's like it's, all of True Blood. <laughs> I was gonna say it's basically softcore porn. Let's oh for none of us are watching real. it for the story. Like at no. least not primarily. We're for not the story. watching it for the story about like vampires yeah. and werewolves and the Fae. It's and it's, to to that show's credit, it yeah. doesn't pull what a lot of HBO shows pull, which is after the first two seasons when they've reeled you in, they stop with the gratuitous sex and nudity. Yeah, they, they kept, kept it going, it up. and I respect that. They knew why <laughs> I was there. They understood the assignment. They didn't pull this Game of Thrones nonsense where it's like, oh, now I don't get to see penises and like male sex scenes anymore. Like now it's just going to be great. Why am I watching? Why am I watching this? I don't want to see tits. I don't. I mean, they're fine. But it's not it's not what's strong you into the show. (laughs) I want pain. I know you do. (laughs) Do you have a least favorite vampire show or movie? Hmm. There, there are some good ones to pull from. Yeah. I mean, I'm kind of drawing a blank about bad <gasps> oh, ones. That... Oh, my God. There's like the quintessential bad one. Starts with a T. Ends with a T. Tit. <laughs> no. Tooth. Toot. 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 <laughs> um, Twilight. Oh, I don't even count that. That's just. They are vampires, though. I know. No, I, I don't. I'm and not in a... the. And then what do they call the fans of Twilight? Twilighters. Twinks? <laughs> yeah, they're twinks for sure. In yeah, the 2010s, a... like that had a grasp on oh the national Oh my God. It was major. Yeah. It still is major. I love all the TikToks now that are like making fun of how terrible it is. Oh my God. I know yes. that you said that Anna Paquin's character is dull. Oh, yeah. She, Kristen Stewart's Kristen character Stewart is makes, Bella Swan. She makes... Anna Paquin's character look like she's the most dynamic person oh, in the entire universe. I know. I can't. I know. No, Twilight's awful. Awful. Also, Truly awful. Edward's a predator. Oh, for sure. It's so problematic. Well, you know, part of the reason why it's so problematic. Because she's Mormon. Yes. And I know Mormons aren't listening to this podcast. Yeah, so I don't really give a shit. <laughs> and no offense, like I've known... Several Mormons who are like lovely people. I've not. They've all been bitches. Well, the Mormons I know <laughs> have been like really delightful people, but y'all are in a cult. Yeah. Come on. You're in a cult. Yeah. And like Twilight is so bad because of like the Edward, like it takes all that sexual like buildup and chemistry, but like, oh no, we can't. But not in like a fun way, just no. like a very preachy way. Yeah. And it's just dull. Yeah. And those vampires are like vegetarian vampires where like they only eat like animals and not people. Well, that's not vegetarian. And that's what they are calling it's themselves. It's vegetarian if you only drink true blood. That doesn't exist in the world of Twilight, Topher. Well, maybe they should go to Louisiana. There's no instead crossover. Instead of Washington. There's no crossover because of the sex. Oh, well. 
again, maybe you should go to Louisiana. It sounds right. more fun. <laughs> exactly. I really loved Interview with a Vampire. Oh, that is a good one. I rewatched I that recently. That one. I forgot yeah. about that. Mm-hmm. I, They're redoing that, you know. Oh, well, I'm excited. Yes. I did try to read that book when I was a teenager, mm-hmm. and I actually fainted during one of the scenes. <gasps> did you? Mm-hmm. Which scene? It was very graphically describing like a blood transfusion situation. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I was I was like sitting at my desk reading, and then I was like, I don't need to be sitting in this chair right now. And so I sat on the floor and continued reading and then just kind of like Oh no. Over. Yeah. Does blood gross you out? Oh yeah. I get very lightheaded. Mm-hmm. Mm. Not like I'm very good in a crisis. Like if somebody okay. like had an accident at the restaurant that I worked at and like mm-hmm. bashed their head open, I'd be there to like press down on the wound. But because if I'm you like bash their head so you're there. Yeah. yeah. You know. <laughs> but if I'm seeing something on TV or I'm reading about it, okay. done. Really? I also cannot stand getting my blood drawn. A shot, totally fine. fine. Okay. Getting my blood drawn. No, not for you. Mm-hmm. And it's I've not had because some bad the, experiences. It's not because of the pain of no. it. It's just the visual. It makes me lightheaded. Okay. Just even the thought of what they're doing makes okay. me lightheaded. See, for me, like, I can watch, like, all the gory, like, films and shows because I know it's fake and it doesn't bother me. But in real life, Those aren't I, documentaries? No. I'm not watching snuff films, ever. Saw isn't real? No, it's not real. Like, I'm just like, oh, like, it's over the top. It's gross. Like, ah, oh, gross, whatever. But it doesn't, like, turn my stomach the way that, like, have you ever watched, like, surgery videos or Ugh. things like that? No. I, oh, I know. Of course you haven't. <sighs> I can't watch those because I don't like seeing things that should be inside the body exposed to outside. The outside. Yeah. So Fact Checker is very good about when we're watching different movies and Uh scenes like that come Uh on, even though it's like a movie. Yeah. Yeah. But they're like showing surgery or something like that or somebody like peeling something off. I'll cover my face Mm -hmm. and he'll let me know when it's done. And Mm. it's very sweet of him. It's very sweet of Fact Checker. And he doesn't ever trick me, which is how I know that he's a good person. He doesn't? He's getting a little wink where you can't see him. He's never tricked me before. Wink. He just winked again, Topher. Every time I open my eyes, it's no longer the surgery scene. What if he just wants to prank you and be like, oh, no, there's surgery. Close your eyes. <laughs> just to fuck with you. That's fair, because I won't let him watch scenes where there's, like, really hot shirtless guys. Oh, you cover his eyes? I, I, well, I make him cover his eyes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I put his blinders on. Does he open, like, some little fingers and, like, peek through? Like, ooh. No, he's got to put the pillowcase on his head. Oh, no. Does it say shame on it? It does. <laughs> but on the inside where he can so see he it. So he can read it, right? Yeah. So he really internalizes that yes. sex is shameful message. Yes. Just what you want him to know. Mm-hmm. Fact checker, do you have a favorite vampire movie or film? Fact checker? Transylvania 3000. Oh, the one where they're on the train and then they go to the, the castle? Yeah. It's from like the 80s. Yeah. And it's a comedy. It's got um, Six, Jeff Goldblum. Five Six Five Thousand. Oh, because of Jeff Goldblum. Is that why Fact Checker liked that? It's a funny movie. It's kind of in the style of it's like a Mel Brooks. Brooks. Yeah, yeah very um, Young Frankenstein yeah, sort of movie. Yeah. yeah, it's really good. If you could exist in a <gasps> vampire world as a vampire, which of these vampire worlds Ooh, would you question. exist in? I feel like true, I would just get tired in True Blood. There's too much going on. Too much sex. Well, if there's that but aspect of it. your vagina get tired. Yeah. But you'd be a vampire. Yeah. But you could get pummeled and then you'd heal immediately. <laughs> I've never heard a woman's sexual experience 
as described as a pummeling before, but thank you for Sounds that. Sounds like you've not gotten a good dick in a while then. <laughs> I mean, I probably have to say interview with the vampire because I really liked Kirsten Dunst's hair in that film. She looked like a little China doll. That oh, I she was such a nasty little creature in that. No, but like part of me was like, that would be fun. Yeah. What about you? Um, I mean, probably True Blood. Okay, I, I knew. Okay. Yeah. Just because young, hot, forever. Yeah. You go for us. Yeah. And I would definitely be a very controlling vampire. Oh, I know you. <laughs> mortals beware. I'd be making, I'd be glamoring mortals to have sex with me all the time. You'd be glamoring for everything in your life. Every sort of like little inconvenience. You just like glamour. Yeah. I drop my ice cream cone, clean it up, and buy me a new one. Are you eating ice cream as a vampire in this scenario? Yeah, it's true blood ice cream. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. That checks out. I'd be like, scientist. What? My answer's Buffy. Oh, Oh, Buffy's a good one, too. Did we talk about Buffy? We didn't talk about Buffy. Have you seen the original movie? I loved the original movie. It's so campy. I know. It was so so much fun. Too bad Christy Swanson is like this weird MAGA person. Oh, is she? She is. Canceled. I know. know. On you. (laughs) (laughs) So are we ready to deliver a verdict? I think we are. Okay. Who are we officially going to deliver a verdict against? Is it Bram Stoker? Is it Dracula? Or Both. are they the same person? He is Dracula. Yeah. Okay. Ready? Ready. One, two, three. Not guilty. Oh, I was going to say guilty of all the right things. Okay. Fair. <laughs> also, not guilty on this winery because oh, this wine is so good. It's I delicious. It. It's a beautiful, mm. dry. It has opened up. It's gotten a little bit more kind of like a dusty dried flowers mm-hmm. going on with it. I like it. If you're looking for a lovely Halloween fall porch wine. Yes. This would be a delight. Yeah, you should definitely drink it. Yeah. Even the sweet Romanian wine was pretty good. I didn't mind it. It's not for everyday drinking. No, 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 no. But I would drink it. Yeah. Mostly because I've had some. <laughs> like with some like pastry or something. Yeah, yeah. Why not? Yeah. So happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. Spooky. I hope that uh, we didn't scare you off. Um, and that you tune in next time for another fantastic episode. Don't forget if you have any questions for us, we do have our sidebar episodes in which we answer all of your burning questions and you can reach us at true crimes against wine at Gmail and Instagram, Facebook and TikTok. You got it all. I did. Yay. And we'll even send you some awesome merch as a thank you for reaching out to us. Yes. So definitely let us know what questions you have. Until next time. Cheers. Cheers. Ciao. And spookiness. Off Wiedersehen.